Welcome to Digging Deeper, the official Digging for Kryptonite companion podcast. I am your host, Anthony Desiato, and joining me to discuss the 2004 storyline Godfall, co-written by Michael Turner, is comic book artist V. Ken Marion. Welcome. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everybody? Good to be back. This is your pick. This is your pick. Yeah, I'm man. so excited to get into this. So this is an episode of Digging Deeper. This is typically a Patreon exclusive. I am releasing this publicly so that everyone gets a chance to uh, sample the types of episodes that we do uh, on Digging Deeper. And so if you enjoy this and you want more, uh, please uh, head on over to patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato. So I, I got to thank you for this, for this recommendation, because I read this when it first came out. I mean, I was a regular reader. You know, I read all the Superman books weekly, uh, you know, uh, as they were coming out. And so I read the storyline at the time in 2004. And I'll be honest, it didn't, it just didn't make that much of an impression on me at the time. I didn't, I didn't have strong feelings one way or the other. Um, but when you expressed interest in doing this, uh, you know, again, we were usually aligned in, in what we like when it comes to Superman and just the fact that you were excited about it. I was like, yeah, like, like, let me, let me, uh, let me give this a shot. So I had a lot nice. of fun and I'm excited to, to compare notes with you. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, I love this book. Um, haven't read it in a long time. So, and if I recall when it first came out, um, it came out across Superman and action, right? Like it alternated between the two titles. So this storyline, uh, so again, it's, it's Godfall. It's co-written by Joe Kelly and Michael Turner um, with art mm -hmm. by the Aspen crew. And, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get into all yeah. of that. We'll, we'll definitely talk about that. And it uh, encompassed two issues of each of the three Superman books at the time. So Superman, Action, and Adventure. Um, so it was six altogether? So it was six altogether. But what's it really... feels so thin, though. No, that's the thing. And I, I can explain. So, uh, you know, again, I remembered it being six issues. And, mm -hmm. you know, when I got the trade, I, um, you know, I looked and I, I looked at the contents and I saw that it was six issues, but I was looking at it. I'm like, it's really, thin, right? it's like really yeah. thin for six issues. And, uh, as I was reading it, you know, look, we've been reading comics, you know, for, for many years. It's like, you have a sense of the rhythm of a comic, right? And mm -hmm. even though this book, it doesn't, um, it doesn't break up the chapters and the covers are all at the end. So you don't really mm -hmm. know when one issue is ending and the other's beginning, but you know, like when you hit certain beats in the story, it's like, oh, that's the end of the issue. And I started counting pages. And uh, if my math was right, each each chapter is about 16 pages. There were backup stories in these issues. Oh, uh, okay. And, that makes sense then. And what I actually did was um, I t only two, <laughs> only two out of the six issues of the storyline are available digitally. Uh, but I went to the DC app. I think it's the Action Comics issues. Those are there. Really? And so I flipped through them, and uh, yeah, they had backup stories. So that's why these six okay. issues fly by. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they're not full length. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, they're still, it's still kick ass. And, 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 uh, the, the trade is, uh, priced at $9.99. So if, you know, if you guys want to out there buy it at your local comic shop or online at comic stores, like not, not digitally, but like, you know, Midtown yep. Comics or whatever, it's, it's pretty affordable. So, it's, I got to tell you, because uh, when when you expressed interest in doing this, I was like, well, of course. And I assumed, I, I don't know, I guess just, you know, I mean, like Michael Turner doing Superman is like a big deal, right? And I just assumed, I was like, well, they must all be on the DC app. And yeah. and I, I could have sworn, like, I came across Godfall on there. And I did. But it was, it was only the two issues. And uh, it turns out the trade is also not in print. 
Really? Wait, more, seriously? Wait, I'm so the sure. trade the trade itself isn't on Comixology? You can't like no. buy the... Wow. No. Man. So it's one of these things where like, you know, we're going to talk about what a great fun story this is, but if you want to yeah. read it, you might have to do a little work. Uh, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. Do you want to set up what, like what the basic premise of this book is? Yeah. So huh, there's so much I want to talk about. this. So um, basically it's Michael Turner co-wrote it uh, with Joe Kelly, like you said, and the Aspen, the team Aspen of the time, which we'll get into all of them. Um, they did all the art and it's, it's like, um, it's takes place. I don't know how much, I mean, we're going spoilery. It's Superman's trapped in Kandor and the bottle city of Kandor. And for the first half of it, uh, he doesn't even realize he's trapped there. And he's assumed like, like a, like a, like a working stiff lifestyle of like, just being like, like a, like a, just like, like, you know, like your average person, like going to a job and, you know, he rides a sweet motorcycle (laughs) and it looks awesome. Um, but yeah, and it's him basically like reawakening and like kind of like rediscovering himself and like his purpose and and fighting against the forces that are keeping him in Kandor. It's it's just a really cool imaginative story and it's it's fun, you know. And so, you, did you read this as it was coming out at the time? I did not. No, oh. I read this. I got the train when I was in college. So, like, when I was in college is probably when I got my biggest kind of like influx into like reading as much as possible. Like when I was in high school, I just kind of read like the only the issues on my pull list. So like I pretty much only read like Green Lantern, Nightwing and like a little bit of Superman here and there. Um, so, but, but when I got to college is when I kind of like, I went to art school. So that's when I kind of like just started getting as much as I could and like kind of catching up on stuff. And Michael Turner was always one of my favorites. So like when I saw this at Midtown Comics, I was like, Oh, I vaguely remember these covers, like when I was younger in high school, this coming out because I always thought the covers were kick ass, you know. Um, and yeah, and so yeah, it's just such a such a fun book. Yeah, it really was a lot of fun. I, I was happy to revisit it, and you know, like I said, I, I was reading these at the time, and what it's it's funny. And Joe Kelly actually mentions this in his introduction to this. He just finished writing action comics like he had this lengthy tenure on action comics and then he left and this was like his first project it was already <laughs> this six-part story and i just remember that at the time i'm like what i thought you left uh but i think it was i think it was cool because you had the freshness of michael turner and the aspen crew like coming in and looking at these characters with fresh eyes and, and big ideas but you also mm-hmm. had someone who had been one of the stewards of the character for quite a few years at that point. Um, so I think that was ultimately a cool collaboration. I think it, it yielded a, a final product that, um, you know, fit in with what was going on in the books at the time, but, but was also something that like you can pick this up now in a vacuum and it mm-hmm. reads well. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's uh, like, it's, it's not like, like a, how, how do I put this? It's not like a book that's like, you know, like talking about like, the existentialism of like man or something like that. Like it's like, it's like, it's like a fun superhero, yeah. like action based book, you know? And, um, uh, yeah. Oh, and <laughs> for listeners who went all the way back to our first episode of digging for kryptonite, you had asked me my favorite alternate looks for Superman. And I was so mad at myself. I didn't remember this. The, the look that he has in this, this, uh, this black suit with the red cape. Yeah. So awesome. Like, this is like probably my favorite alt look for Superman. Like, and it's not even like his super suit; it's just like his like normal clothes, you know. Like in this world, like so cool. So yeah, I want to talk about the art. Like we keep calling them the Aspen Crew, but it's um, 
Talon Caldwell did the pencils, Jason Gorder did the inks, and Peter Steigerwald did the colors, and it is, like, beautiful. Like, this book, I wish more comics looked like this now. Like, it is so gorgeous. Like, like just such a cool style. Like, Talon's style is kind of like Michael Turner, but, like, mixed with, like, Street Fighter almost, you know? Like, because, like, it's, like, blocky and, like, like thick and energetic and so cool, man. There's so many pages, like, like this page right here, where, like, he's on the motorcycle, and, like, you see, like, his, like, reaction shot. Like, I wish I could own this page. Like, it's such a good page. Like, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, like, going nuts about this. <laughs> no, I no, I mean, that's awesome. And, and uh, you know, uh, again, we're doing this because of you, so I'm happy to I'm happy to go wherever you want um, with this. It's funny, you know, you mentioned him on the motorcycle, and they talk about that in the, in, in the introduction, too. It's so funny because it's like, this is a character who can fly, yet it's... Some, for some reason, like really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. The motorcycle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, I think it's the cape. The, the the cape whipping in the back is on the motorcycle. And it's one of those like sci-fi, like you know, lean forward like Akira. I think they even say Akira in the in the, in the intro. Like that was like the inspiration for the motorcycle. Um, oh, and dude, the, this cover. Um, I think it was the first issue of this series. Yeah, this one where he's like sitting on the motorcycle. Like I used to like when I would go to cons, like um, when I was trying to break in, I would, like Frank at Aspen would have like all of Michael Turner's like original pages still for sale. And one year, I think it was the first year I went, they had this one still. And I remember like it was like 15 grand, and I was like, <laughs> man, I wish I could, I wish I could afford this. Like I just wish I could afford this one day. And then like the next year, I went back to look at it, it was gone. Like you know, some 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 lucky bastard owns this. <laughs> it's a really cool page. That yeah, that would be really awesome to own. Um, and and so like uh, so Talon Caldwell. I, I mean, I've not I've not followed his career. Like, what what has he done since since this? So I mean, I, I actually don't know what he's doing now. He uh, it's funny. We're actually rep by the same art rep. So um, um, so I'm sure my my rep would know if I talked to him. But um, I know he did some more work at DC. And I think he did some work at Wildstorm too. Like after. After, I'm not sure if it was before or after Aspen. Like he did some miniseries with Aspen, and then he did some covers and stuff with DC, and then I think he might have left the industry, like doing like animation or something. I'm not actually sure. Like I don't know. I don't know him personally, so I don't know. Like I haven't seen him do a book in a long time, but he's really, really good, and I want him to do more. Like he's kick ass, like for sure. I mean, yeah. it's you know, short of Turner drawing this himself. I mean, I, I think uh, you know the the book was in was in amazing hands, and I mean. Like when we talk about the colors and and Peter was it Stiger Stiger Stigerwald, Stigerwald. Yeah. I mean I don't know how do you, how do you describe what he's doing with with his color palette because I mean it is such a distinct look I mean I can't mm -hmm. articulate what like what is it exactly that uh, oh, he, that makes this stand that stand out the way it does so Peter's like an artistic genius he um like he uses a lot of um how do I describe this. Like, he used a lot of purples and blues and stuff in his work, and he, I remember talking to him, um, and he would talk about how, like, if you look at Disney painting, Disney animation, right? Like, if you look at the backgrounds of, like, Bambi or something, and you look at the forests, like, you'll see purples and blues and stuff on trees, like, to donate, like... So, so I feel like a lot of colors, what they do is they like, oh, the sky's blue, it's blue. Grass is green, it's green. Like where, where Peter will like use other colors to donate, to denote like shadow and highlights. And like, if, if you look at, like, if you look at things in real life, you know, like what you think of local color is not necessarily the actual color you're seeing, right? Like, 
so I've got a white shirt on right now, but like if you're actually looking at it, there's like there's a blue shadow here, like just like the way the light hits it. And Peter's so smart with that, and so he he uses those the like those color theories to really make things pop and make them look lush and realistic at the same time and storytell as well with like with the color, you know, like he uses like the warms and the cools to donate to denote not donate to denote like scenes and like like emotion and and um and the storytelling essentially you know um does, does that make sense i yeah. don't know if i'm explaining that properly no that's actually a really good explanation um and like now that you say it that's like oh like that clicks like i get what you're saying uh yeah i mean it's it's a it's a gorgeous looking book and it's a cool concept i mean you know as you laid out right it starts with clark living on what he thinks is krypton a krypton that never exploded because his father was able to save the planet with these terra forges right that that stopped the earthquakes and he's married to this woman named lila and he's this low-level uh government uh bureaucrat and feels like something's missing right which of course Mm -hmm. it, it is and then yeah we come to find out that it's not Krypton, but he's actually on, on Kandor under this this woman's spell, and but but that led to what I think is really like I like this book because it's well it's fast paced because it's only 16, 16 pages for yeah. you, but I mean the art's gorgeous and it's and it's it's a fun it's a fun story and it was at the time uh, again it was a break from the ongoing you know stories uh, of the moment, so it was kind of a nice change of pace and a breath of fresh air. But what I really found from a story perspective, like so interesting about this, is this idea that to the people of Kandor, Superman's like God. Like he's mm-hmm. this person above who visits them occasionally and looks out for them and protects them. But he's been a neglectful God, right? Because as as we and Clark come to learn, there's been some sort of like temporal glitch and a hundred years have passed on Kandor. And, and that time that's that's passed for them where superman hasn't appeared has only further mythologized him in their minds and deified him right where it's Mm -hmm. like now he's like really to them a god uh and i just thought that was so i thought it was a really interesting concept and i also thought the idea even glitch aside you know clark admits that he hasn't been as attentive to the Kandorians mm-hmm. as he probably should and and i thought that was interesting and it showed that he is fallible and he's you know he he doesn't do everything right all the time. So I thought those yeah. two ideas were like really interesting. Yeah, no, it, it paints what we always talk about, about him being relatable, right? Like it makes him like, it's almost like the Kandorians are how most of pop culture views Superman and <laughs> Superman is how we view Superman, right? Like me and you have, as being relatable. And like, I thought that was such a cool like dynamic to play with, you know? And And one of the things I love about this is that it broke new ground without, like, shitting on the past, if that makes sense, right? Like, so, like we said, this is a brand new, fresh take on Superman, but it's not like they had to, like, reboot the character and, like, be like, no, this is our new, you know, it's like, within the established parameters of, like, the character status quo of the time, they were able to make a new story with new villains who were actually really cool, which I'm surprised they've never been back, because, like, both Lila and Prius, the who's who ultimately becomes one of the, like the, the the villain he fights at the end, like they're both like cool characters with cool designs, and they're new. You know, they're like brand new characters that were never before. At least I don't think. You know, they were new characters. Lila, as far as I know, I don't think they did anything with her after this. But Prius was in Chuck Austin's Action Comics run. Was he really? Yeah. 
I've never did, read that, so I didn't know, yeah. Um, you know, look, we, we on this show, I know we're always respectful of the creators who work on these books. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go out on a limb and I'll say that was not, I did not like that run. Um, and I know Chuck Austin generally is not among the more revered comic book creators. This was that period of time where like Chuck Austin was like writing a lot. I, like, I don't know if you remember this, but he was doing it like a bunch of stuff for, for DC and Marvel. And he had this run on action comics. I feel like I remember him writing X Men. That's why I re- that's when like was, they had the manga artist drawing X Men, which was, I actually really liked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I will say his action comics lived up to the title. It was very action packed. Like that was the yeah. whole the whole idea behind his run. Uh, but he did use this villain. Um, again, I read it at the time. I never went back to it. I I don't really think that I would. But they did. Was, use it, was it like was it like right after this? Was it like the run following like this like immediately kind of thing? Pretty much. Pretty okay. much. There, I don't know. There might have been a little something in between, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, pretty much. So within like a year or two, yeah. So okay. they did at least use that character. Oh, and that's the other thing that I thought was interesting about this. It really tapped into this idea of, I mean, yes, Candor, but Krypton generally, like this anti-alien um, mm-hmm. sentiment and the tension between native Kryptonians and and the aliens. And that's an idea that you know, it's not, I guess, not always part of the Krypton story, but we, you do see it at play, you know, from time to time. And I. In the books at the time, you know, uh, Jeff Loeb and crew, right, they had their return to Krypton storyline. Mm-hmm. And that ended up being like a, I think like a construct of Brainiac 13 or like something like that. But um, when Clark and Lois visited that more like Silver age version of Krypton in that storyline, like a year or two before this, um, it did really play up that whole um, uh, xenophobia of Krypton, mm. um, which which is interesting. And I... This is a little bit of a tangent, but I like the idea of Krypton being isolationist in the sense that it makes it a lot more believable that they would have no spacecraft because it's like there's such there's such an advanced civilization. And then it's like when the time comes that the planet's going to explode. I mean, I know a big part of it is they don't believe it. Right. So there's that. But it's like. You know, even once they finally realize what's happening, you would think a, a civilization that advanced, like they would have some, like some mechanism of getting some people off. But mm-hmm. if they've really just kind of dug in and closed themselves off to other planets, you know, it would make sense that they don't have a whole fleet of ships. So I actually, like, I yeah. think that kind of, it works well and it adds believability to why it's like such a big deal to just get Kal-El out of there. Yeah, I actually kind of like, the idea that Krypton's not perfect either. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? That they're not like this like totally altruistic like like peak civilization. Like I like that they're like flawed, you know? Like I think that adds a level of like realism to them because it makes Superman like not only is he like the best of what humanity is, but he's also like the best of what would have been Krypton. Like he's better than like what like he as a person has better morals and better standards than like what the society of Krypton had. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that lends to more his human, like, like I like the idea that humans are a more noble race than Kryptonians, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, which yeah, which yeah. kind of plays it up to the, which, which is in some, some versions of it, some aren't, you know, some Kryptonians are very like, like elite, you know, like the original Donner version. And right. then like some, they're more gray, like in the Man of Steel, you know? So, but like, I, I like the idea that, I mean, it always comes down to, like, to me, like, Superman's who he is because of being a human and not a Kryptonian. Like, the powers come from Krypton, but, like, the super, like, the, like, who he is in his heart comes from being raised on Earth, you know? And I, I always like that notion. 
Yeah, same here. No, yeah, it's like I think anytime you can you can add another another dimension like that, I think it, it does make it interesting. Look, I, I I admitted right in the first episode of this, I never watched the Krypton TV show, but I'm excited to. I will watch it for the podcast uh, in the future, and I and I look forward to it. I, you know, I I was kind of dismissive of it when it aired initially. I, I won't lie. I, I think my gut reaction was like. Look, as you, everyone knows, I was totally there for Smallville, this idea of like, okay, we're going to look at his upbringing. The idea of going back to his grandfather on Krypton, I was like, come on. It's like, <laughs> how, many, how many layers back are you going to go? But, I, you know, I heard a lot of good things, and uh, I'll keep an open mind. And, and honestly, between a story like this and Birthright, which is something else that you and I talked about recently, uh, it has kind of given me, and Man of Steel as well, like it's kind of given me an, a little bit uh, newfound respect and appreciation for the Krypton piece of the story. Mm. Uh, so I look, did you ever watch the sci-fi show? No. No, I never did, no. Yeah. So, You'll have to let me know how it is. I, I'll have, I'll have uh, probably at least two podcast episodes. Nice. <laughs> all about nice. it. Because <laughs> they did two seasons, so I'll, I figure I'll do, uh, they're only 10 episodes each. Uh, okay, but I cool, figure cool. I'll, I'll, and they're now all on the CW Seed, I believe, the, the app. Oh, okay. So, okay, cool. uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll check that out. Um, but so yeah. what else about Godfall? Um, okay, let's see here. Um, oh, <laughs> I love when you see the Justice League. It's like Kyle Rayner's in there. Like yeah. That was, that was one, one thing that I flipped through. I was like, yes, more Kyle. Always a good thing. So that's before Hal even came back. So that's how let, let you know how old this is. Um, yeah. And I love, I love, I do love these sequences where you kind of recap, uh, you know, Clark's major moments and it's, you know, it's a great way to, you know, get, uh, you know, the Aspen team, Talon Caldwell and the rest, like drawing these key, you know, characters and moments. Mm-hmm. It was really neat. Oh dude. What did you think of the, um, like Prius's like Superman, like squad of like flying, like police people, like the, his like, yeah, these guys. What do they call them? The oh the, yeah, the, like the, the citizen the citizens patrol corps. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought that was a cool way to like like have him like be able to fight non powered like people, but still with powers, kind of. You know, that was a cool like notion. Yeah, um, and I know it's you know, and like I said, I know he came back in the Chuck Austin run. I don't know whatever became of him, you know, in that or or beyond. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think he was a cool addition. I mean, this idea. I mean, obviously, you know, we have Zod, right? But it's like, you can have other Kryptonian, you know, other Kryptonian yeah. villains. So, you know, and he comes yeah. from Kandor, so that adds a little bit of a different dimension to it. And uh, yeah, I, I, I did think he was an interesting addition. You know, so to have someone who, you know, like Zod, um, you know, shares the Kryptonian heritage and the powers, but you know, has a very different experience and, and has an ax to grind with him, um, mm-hmm. you know, really, you know, just adds a different layer to it. So, uh, yeah, I don't, maybe this, this might be a character kind of ripe for a comeback, you know? Yeah, I, I think so, man. He's got a really cool design too. And he's got this whole thing where like, he thinks Superman's God, but then when he kind of a, goes out to earth, he kind of like sees himself as kind of like a God too. So like, I think there's like a different, there's definitely like a different note he hits than Zod for sure. Um, I want to see Lila come back too. Cause like she had a really cool design as well. And like, again, interesting character that like basically made Superman think he was married to her. Like that's like, yeah. like crazy, you know? Oh um, yeah. No, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause yeah, like she basically, so the, what we find out is that, uh, you know, Clark was like tumbling through time and reality and she was able to pull him in. And that was actually a reference to, um, I believe it was the, the Stephen T Siegel run 
on the main Superman title at the time uh, that introduced a new Supergirl. And there were these characters, the Future Smiths, and they referenced that in, in here. Um, but yeah, basically, I guess at the end of that storyline, he was like tumbling through time and reality, and that's where she was able to grab him. So again, it picked up on that little thread. But again, you don't need to know that to read or enjoy this story. But like she basically puts him under this spell where whenever people say Kandor, he, he hears Krypton. Right. Mm-hmm. So that creates this illusion that he's on on the planet that never exploded. So I thought that was uh, that. And I had completely forgotten that. And as I was reading, I was like, yeah, well, how do they how do they work this all out? But that was I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And she's like she's got a really cool design. Like that's the thing. Like I, I, what I keep going back to this is that like. I just feel like there's a lot of like cool in- ingenuity, like the way the Kandorians are like drawn, like end up the biker gang of like the, the alien Kandorians, like really cool, like just like visuals on all of them, you know? Yeah. I dig it for sure. Um, there's something, Oh, did you notice the, the birthright? Uh, that's the origin they were, they were rocking. Oh yes. I did notice yeah. that. Yeah. 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 That made me really happy. Cause I'm like, this is in that period where birthright was like the official origin. So that's, they, uh, they drew, um, his origin to look like the birthright origin, which is cool. So, you know, you and I, uh, so I have an episode coming out in April about birthright featuring Mark Wade. And then you, you were there, uh, to help me kick it off. And we did a little postmortem, uh, but we, we already recorded that, uh, people will hear this one first. You know, one of the things that we talked about in that episode was, you know, it was a shame that birthright didn't, you know, take root as the definitive origin, but for, for a moment, <laughs> it, it did, <laughs> you know, like there are, you know, you, you know, you do see some nods to it and uh, definitely the designs of, of uh, like Jor-El and Lara, you know, that you see here. So for sure. Dude, I'm, I'm flipping through it. And like, remember how, when we talked before, I'm not even sure when this was, we talked, oh, it was on the Superman Batman. We talked about how Lex Luthor being the president was so minimal of time, but like feels like it was like <laughs> so much longer for us. This is another one of those stories where like, they have Lex. So again, this is one of those where Lex is president and like, it just solidifies it in my head that like, yeah, Lex Luthor was the president. Like, even though it was only like a year of publishing or whatever. Yeah. Um, what did you, when he freezes the family with his ice <laughs> breath, what did you, what did you think about that? that? That was another instance where I was like, I, I guess again, I mean, I literally, I read this 17 years ago and I was like, what? Mm. I was like, how, what was their explanation for this? Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, the way it plays, it's like, you know, he's Clark. There's enough yellow sunlight that Lila is able to because that's like Lila's whole plan is like trying to, uh, I guess, awaken enough of his powers for her to like take them for her, like clone them for herself. And then she mm-hmm. is able to leave Kandor. Uh, so he's like these little bursts of sunlight give him powers, but he can't control them. And and so, yeah, it appears like he he uses his super breath to freeze and kill this family. And yeah. you know, it turns out that none of it was real. But yeah, at the time, I like, I knew, you know, there was no version of the story where he actually killed anyone inadvertently or not. So it was yeah. just a matter of like, well, what's the out here? And I, but I forgot that it was, uh, yeah. That they just well, I reading, cause I, I haven't read this in like at least 15 years. So like reading it today, I was like, wait, did he just like kill that family? <laughs> like, like in absolute power, like in the, where right. they just like kill people in the mall and they just kind of like skate over. I'm like, wait, really? Like, but then like you find out that like that family weren't real. They were like, they were like, um, like, like constructs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like constructs. Yeah. By, by Lila. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So that I was happy about that, that he didn't actually kill a family because <laughs> that was like, I'd be like, Oh, it's a little too brutal. You know? Um, yeah. I'm just trying to see here. Oh, did you like it when they, 
when they go to Metropolis and Lila's like expecting Metropolis to be like heaven. Yeah. And she gets there and she's like, oh, it smells like like shit. And like, it's like, this is disgusting. Like, this is where he's from. Like, what? That was like an indictment on. Because like looking at Kandor, like Kandor looks like paradise. They've got like floating gardens and like, and like, why would she ever want to leave this place? Like, you know, maybe there's, yeah, maybe there's a deeper meaning to this story. Like, you know, uh, I don't know, be careful what you wish for, or the, the, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. I, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't know. It might be, maybe it's making a larger statement. But. Yeah, yeah. There's probably, there's probably an under undercurrent to it for sure. Because like when she gets to Metropolis, it's like, ugh, you know, like they're all, kind of, they're all of their reactions kind of like all the Kandorians and yeah. yeah. Isn't it? I mean, you know, like looking at this story, I mean, the, the designs and the way they use Kandor and, you know, alternate takes on Superman are quite popular. Um, I, it, like, I don't know. Don't you find it odd that this was all we ever got in the, in the Godfall, you know, not universe, but the, like just the Godfall storyline. Like, I feel like this was, this is maybe still is ripe for further development. Well, well, yeah, that's what I was saying about, about Prius and Lila. Like, I yeah. think that they could totally go back and all those characters, the, uh, Boscott, Basquiat, no, Boscott's the painter. What's, what's his name? Oh, Boscott. yeah. Yeah. Boscott. Like that, the, uh, the gang members of like the the bikers and stuff like I think there's and the the tension between like the xenophobic of Candor versus like like the like the class commentary social commentary that you could do with this now like I think yeah. this is definitely a, a ripe story to go back to and um yeah I I it'd be it'd be cool to to go back and see more of this for sure I mean this was definitely in the main universe continuity so it's not like right it was like an all take in the sense of like it was like a reboot or anything, but, um, yeah, man, like it for sure would be cool to go back to. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, again, as, as you are an artist yourself, like if an opportunity ever presented itself for you to do something like in this Godfall style, is there anything, I mean, again, I know you talked about the designs that you like, is there anything that you're like, Oh, like I would want to another type of vehicle you would want to put him on or well, like, I, mean, any, I definitely want to try that motorcycle. Yeah. That motorcycle's <laughs> sweet. Like, I mean, I, I just like motorcycles in general, so like that'd be that, that just kind of like hit all the buttons for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, dude, did you see in the back they uh, <laughs> they did you see the designs in the back where um, they did the different sketches of the motorcycles? Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, at the very bottom, there's like a tricycle thing. Did you see that? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> where it's got like a little Superman flag on the back of the tricycle. That was funny. Um, but yeah, dude, like maybe put them on like a like a flying surfboard. I think that's like the next step to go like even extreme. <laughs> you know, like I'd be all for that. Um, uh yeah I, like i mean i love the costume so like i would love to just maybe just draw him in that suit if nothing else you know such a cool look yeah no again like i i think um and you know as far as this like the alt takes on superman generally so you know like on the podcast yet yeah, we haven't this is the closest we've come to like like looking at an alt take but i'm kind of saving that i think maybe next year I mean, really looking ahead, but I want to kind of maybe be like a multi-episode thing where I look at a lot of these different takes because I know, you know, they're very po they're some of the most popular takes on Superman. Like when you look at like Kingdom Come or I know more recently Injustice, which I've not mm -hmm. delved into myself, but people are always telling me that I should and that I should, you know, cover it. So I don't know if you're going to like that because isn't that the premise that Superman goes evil and like kills everyone? Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. Everybody, like, so yeah, I'll keep an open mind. But yeah, I don't know. Part of me is like, hey, really? 
Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I know these I mean, all I takes feel like, are... Yeah. Like, if you're a Batman fan and you like seeing Batman kick the shit out of Superman, then maybe you'd like that. But, like, I don't know. I, I don't... I haven't read it, or I, I played the game, like, a little bit, but, like, not really the story mode, just kind of, like, playing, like, the Mortal Kombat-esque part of it. So, like... Maybe you'll like it. I don't know. I've, I've, I've never really interacted with the story that much, though. Yeah, I don't know. But it was kind of, it was cool to kind of like, you know, dip my toes in with, you know, with this story. And, you know, it's, and look, this isn't the only story that's kind of imagined, you know, what would happen if Clark never left Krypton. But, but it is an interesting thing to speculate about because it's like, yeah, what would, you know, he most likely would have had a pretty simple, ordinary humdrum life, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. So it's, it's yeah, kind of, I guess, yeah. kind of interesting to speculate, and uh, and not surprising that you know in this version where he's lived this other life, like he, there is something missing for him, uh, and and that's kind of like nagging at him throughout this. Yeah, well, I thought it was interesting because um, we're such big Smallville fans, and for such a huge part of that show, it's him just like, oh man, I wish I was normal. I wish I was normal, and like in this, in this the first like issue at least, he does have like he's like normal, like he's just you know like a like a paper pusher at an office job, and like. Rides his motorcycle for fun when he can and, like, yeah. you know, sucks at cooking breakfast, you know, just kind of, like, straight up just, like, normal. And, like, and he's, like, oh, man, like, something's missing, you know? So I think that's a – not only is it interesting for Superman, I think it's a good analogy for all of us who, once we get to a certain age, kind of, like – I'm sure you felt that, too, like, where I'm, like, oh, man, I'm in my 30s already. Like, oh, like, you know, kind of thing. Like, so it's, like – I, I think there's like a good like uh, analogy there to like growing up a little bit too, you know. Yeah, I, I know. I, I agree. I think there's something to that. Uh, yeah, and like I said, I mean, I really liked how they used Candor here. I mean, I, like, I can't say I'm like a Candor fan. I mean, there really aren't that many stories where I'm like, oh, like, that was a great. Like this was this <laughs> like, I think was a cool use of it. Um, this is the only Candor story I've ever read. So. <laughs> So this is like my, yeah. like if I read a Candor story, I'm like, where's the, where's the motorcycles? Where's like, <laughs> you know, where's the cool aliens? Like, yeah, no, I just like, I know I keep coming back to this, but I just think like there's a, there's some potential here to tell more stories. You know, I don't, and again, I don't know exactly how you, you would frame it, but this, like the design and this idea of him like living on a version of Krypton that he never left. Like, I don't know. I think there's, um, I don't know. Maybe there's some potential for something else. Totally. It would be interesting to see, like, Jonathan Kent, like, his son, Jonathan Kent, not his dad, yeah. his son, yeah. go, go into here and, like, interact and stuff. I think that'd be pretty cool. That would he, be he cool. Could ride the, he could ride the flying surfboard. Yeah. 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 I, you know, yeah, there might be, I don't know. I think there's some untapped potential. I mean, I didn't read, you know, like, when Jeff Johns was on Action Comics and, like, at the end of his run, you know, they had the Brainiac storyline where they, you know, Jonathan Kent mm-hmm. passed. And then Jeff Johns kicked off the new Krypton storyline where... Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. What, I mean, wasn't the, pre- the premise that Kandor, uh, you know, was... Was, uh, was know, that re- restored? I, I, didn't, I didn't stick with that too long. It was like... I feel like it was like they made another planet on the opposite side of the sun, right? I think... Like, like I think equidistant was, yeah. to Earth. It was, like, it was like the same distance that Earth was, but on the other side of the sun, and they were like... Yeah, I I didn't uh, I didn't really like that story that much because yeah. Superman wasn't in it. Like that was the thing he was he wasn't even in it. It was like all these other characters, and I was like, nah. Yeah, no, I did not st- I did not stick with it myself. But I, I just in terms of like other notable 
Candor stories in, in modern times, at least. Um, you yeah. know, that's the main thing that kind of comes to mind. But but this was cool. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I mean, what kind of sense, maybe the fact that it's not available digitally is our answer, but like, what kind of sense do you have about this book's legacy? Like, do you, like, do you notice people ever talking about it? I guess I feel like it's kind of a little bit of a hidden gem. That's true. I mean, yeah, if, if the trade's not in print and it's not digitally, I, I guess like, you know, I mean, maybe this podcast will, will get DC to republish it. Um, it's funny. I actually, I want to talk to this about before. I actually met Joe Kelly and talked to him about this book yeah. like years ago. Yeah, it was before I was a pro. It was when I was still, it must have been 2011, maybe, yeah, either 2010 or 2011 at New York Comic Con when I was like showing my portfolio around. And Joe Kelly was like at his table and no one was there. And I just went up to him and I was like, hey man, like you did, you wrote Superman. I'm a really big fan. I loved, um, uh, seven seventy five. The what's so funny about truth trust? I, I I told him I said I love that and I love Godfall. Like I really like. And he was like, oh, thank. And like he was talking to me about like just working on it and stuff. Like it was it was cool. It was he was seemed like a really cool dude at the time, you know. So it was uh it was really cool to like get that insight, you know. That is really cool. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. I I've never met him. I just had a one brief Twitter exchange when I um when I did those episodes on the Jeff Loeb Joe Kelly era of the Superman books. I wrote an article for Thirteenth Dimension uh, about mm-hmm. the run, and um, I think Thirteenth Dimension tweeted it and tagged tagged me as the writer and also tagged Joe Kelly, and he responded, and it was it was really nice. Nice, so, uh, nice, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, at some point I would love to try to, uh, get him on the show now that we've opened the door with, you know, the, the Mark Wade interview, it's, you know, it's so funny because, you know, I keep thinking to myself like, oh, like Mark Wade, like the creator interview. And it's like, you have Ken on the show all the time and he's a creator, but it's, (laughs) I mean, a, in that case, we were talking about something that he specifically worked on, but I think it's a testament to, to our friendship. Cause like, I think of you as my friend, it's like, oh, my buddy, who's like a fellow (laughs) Superman fan. It's like, he's also a comic creator. Um, but it's not like, oh, I'm having a creator on. It's like, oh, it's my buddy, Ken. Uh, yeah, yeah, I get that. Totally. <laughs> uh, but no, that's cool that you had that, uh, that you had that meeting with him. So yeah, he, he, he doesn't remember at all. I was just a, just a, a pimply faced kid, you know, <laughs> college, college, college kid. Yeah. But look, even if he doesn't remember it, I'm, I'm sure, look, as you like, you've been behind a table. It's like, I'm sure in that moment, if there wasn't, he didn't have a line and someone came up and said, Hey, I like these stories that you did. I'm sure that. You know, I'm sure that meant a lot oh, to yeah, him. Oh, totally. you know, yeah, totally. In the moment, at least. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to say about uh, about Godfall? Oh, man, everyone should go out and buy it if they can. <laughs> Find it somewhere and read it, yeah. I think this is, um, where, this is where the comic shops might rise to the occasion, you know? Yeah, totally, yeah. Uh, hit up your local stores, and what were the, number, the issue numbers? Do we know? Oh, are, I guess that's another issues? option, right? So there's the trade. There's also the single issue. So it was Action 812 and 813, Adventures 625 and 626, and Superman 202 and 203. Oh, so it went through three titles. Okay. Yeah, it yeah. did the three. The, yeah. So at that point, Man of Steel had ended. Uh, so it was just the three books. And yeah, it was two issues of... Uh, so of so this was published over two months then. This whole six issues came out yeah. relatively quickly. Yeah. 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 Cool. No, listen, I remember these coming out and getting them at, at the late alternate realities. And uh, yeah, you know, so I re- again, I know I said this at the top, but, you know, thank you for recommending this because, um, again, I hadn't really thought about this book, you know, really much at yeah. all in all these years. So it was, it was cool to go back to it. And I, I think I appreciated it more now. Um, and definitely knowing that we were going to talk about it and knowing how much you liked it, I, you know, I, I definitely uh, got more out of it this time. Yeah, well, I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you uh, were able to get a copy and, you know, talk and you know, shoot the shit about it. Like it was definitely fun and I hope people check it out and 
Yeah. Yes, right on. Uh, where can people uh, find and follow you, Ken? Uh, on Instagram, you can find me at VKenMarion. On Twitter, I'm at VKMarion. I'm rep by Modern Mythology Comic Art, and you can go to their website and check out my original art and commissions and stuff that I'm available for. And I want to plug your Patreon. If you're listening uh. to this, go to Anthony's Patreon. Um, I'm sure you'll give the link, but it's definitely worth it. Uh, tons of extra shows. I've listened to many of them many times while I'm working. So, yeah, definitely. I want to definitely plug that and hope people that are listening to this that aren't patrons check it out. Well, I thank you very much. And uh, yeah, so you saved me the trouble of, of doing the plug. I mean, this is this is what we do on the Patreon episodes. I mean, it's basically the same as the regular episodes, a little bit shorter. I keep them a little bit shorter uh, to not over, <laughs> to, not, to not bombard people with so many episodes and long episodes. But, uh, but yeah, this is what we do. It's a lot of fun and it's a great way to, um, you know, to kind of, you know, maybe have, maybe explore something like this or, you know, in, in other instances, you know, we've looked at a long run on digging for kryptonite and then on digging deeper, we've taken an issue uh, or an episode of something. And it's fun to just kind of have a different type of conversation with a different scope uh, than, mm-hmm. than the main show. So, um, so that's what we do. If you're interested, patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato. I hope you'll check it out. Find and follow Ken on social media at the, at the handles that he provided. Uh, make sure you keep tuning in to all of the shows. Thank you for your support. Uh, and as always, remember, it's about what you do. It's about action.